0: Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, happy 4th of July week as we begin this week. It's always a great week. And uh, so uh, turn around and, and just around you somewhere, find someone and say good morning to them for a moment if you don't mind, please. Yes. Um, I, I I love all the, the the texts and emails that people send me about this turn around and say good morning to someone or say hello to someone and how that uh, you have everybody turning around. And there's just, somebody sent me one, this little, this little toy that kind of sits by himself and he's looking around there's nobody around him kind of thing, you know. And then also the one where the, there's the pew that sits one person, right, that I get that one all the time too. And, and so we are glad you're here. And uh, I, I want you to know one great thing about the Creed as we talk about this throughout the summer months that it is truly about community, and, and that is the amazing thing is that our forefathers have been standing and reciting this for over a thousand years in settings very similar to us. Yes, different surroundings, but yet a setting of gathering like we are today today. And, and I think that's what makes this so profound and so amazing as we talk through this together. Today, this is part four of our series through the creed. And that who was the part simply saying who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And the creed was given to us over a thousand years ago for yet a couple of reasons. The first is is to correct error because sometimes as Christians we tend to veer from the center in our understanding of who God is. And then second was it was used as a tool, not the tool because the Bible is the tool, but yet it was used as a tool to that of spiritual formation in God's people. And when you walk through the creed, what we see is that uh, mankind has historically... um, needed some help in these areas because we have had these errors and false assumptions about the character and nature of God. And and we've all experienced that ourselves. We, We struggle with that from time to time about how, you know, God says he is this. But yet when you look at our life and circumstances, it doesn't seem to line up. So we struggle with that of the character and nature of God. And so what God is doing through that of the creed, as it reflects the word of God to you and I, he's shaping and molding you and I in a correct understanding of who he is for our joy and for his glory. And it's amazing. It really is. Now, a couple of things real quick, as we always do these housekeeping kind of deals about the creed, is this. First of all, we're not here to preach the creed to you this morning because creeds have no authority within themselves. They always point to something of greater authority. So the creed is a reflection of the Word of God, nothing more than that, and we understand that. Second is this, that we do not believe as Christians in incantation so that we don't repeat things from memory because somehow that will save us or empower us or make us lucky or whatever you might want to use those for. incantations are not what christians do and i think the third thing is this is as we stand in a moment in a moment and we recite the creed that we always get down to this last part, I think way down. It's the, uh, almost at the beginning. It says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. And all of a sudden you get stuck there because you don't understand that. We chose to use the original version. And what we understand is that that term Catholic Church there, it does and does not mean the Roman Catholic Church, but it includes the whole body, including that of the Roman Catholic Church. It includes the whole body of Christ, All who simply claim or understand that Jesus is Lord. And so we we have to realize that that's what all that means. And so in that idea of correction and formation of you and I as children of God then what we realize is the creed was given to us in a Genesis chapter 3 world. And we talk, to, we talk about that often here, a world that is broken. If you understand the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and chapter 2 are that of the creative order. And God creates, and then all at the end of the day, He says, Oh, this is good. This is wonderful. This is great. And then all of a sudden you come to chapter 3 and everything is broken because of man's rebellion, the cosmos is fractured, that nothing that has been created is not touched or somehow tainted by that of of that rebellion and act of sin that we find in chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, in this world that we live in, that we experience brokenness and loss and hurt and pain, we're perplexed and we question God in that brokenness. We do. We struggle sometimes with that. In this world because it is the genesis chapter three world so to make you feel comfortable about well i'm i'm the only one that really struggles in this room let me ask you a question the question is two parts okay so here it is got to be honest this is church all right so you got to be honest you can be honest you already know the person next to you because already greeted them okay so you're friends so you can be honest with each other so here's the thing how many of you here long long question but listen to it how many of you here have at this po- some point in your life at some point in your life experienced either the kind of loss or a situation that has left you perplexed. If you've experienced a loss or a situation that's left you perplexed in this life, raise your hand if you've ever experienced that, okay? Put your hand down. You got to keep it up. Wait, don't put them down yet, okay? You got to keep it up. I know this is like calisthenics, going to make you stand in just a moment, so keep them up for a minute. So here's the second part of this question. You've, you've experienced that thing that has caused you to be perplex, perplexed in your life, and it's shaken your confidence in who God is. If it's shaking your confidence in who God is, keep your hand up for a moment, okay? Everybody else can put your hand down, okay? Now, good. Look around the room. I want you to look for a minute. Keep your hand up. Look around the room. You're not alone. That's what I want you to do. Now put your hand down. Isn't that amazing? I tell you, put your hand up, you put it down, you put it up, you put it down. I'm going to tell you to stand. You're going to stand. And that's, that's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. You actually mind better than Grayson does. That's, that's just great. I, I love that, okay? He'll be here second service, and he can maybe learn from you, okay? Too, too late now. He's 18. But here's the thing, okay, that I wanted you to understand that you're not alone in this times of our lives in Genesis chapter 3 world that we live in. That we find ourselves questioning God and that confidence is shaken. Thus, the purpose of the creed that reflects the word of God for you and I to understand. The point is that nobody gets out of this Genesis chapter 3 world unscathed. It is not true that if something has not happened in your life that doesn't cause you to somehow question at some times or your confidence is shaken in God then it will happen. Just hang on and live long enough that it is going to happen in your life. Just hang around. In the middle of this mess, what we have is things like the creed, a tool, not the tool, that reflects the word of God. It helps to shape and correct us. It points us to the, what the truth is and what is true about the creator of the universe, our God this morning. And, and in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to recite this as our forefathers have done. And when we do that, what we're saying is this that we reject some real popular narratives of the day in which we live in. And I, and I thought about what are those narratives today? We reject things like that of individualism, and, and that is that I can work this on my own, and if I have enough enough talent enough moxie in my life that I can work out my life and I can work out all these problems or that of nationalism we've heard that term mentioned a lot in the last year or so really have and and that is that we pledge allegiance when we say this creed to the god of the bible we do and in saying that, what we say is this, that we reject, we reject the thought that even the values of our country, the United States of America, even the values and the beliefs of our country can change the human condition, that can change the human heart, because it cannot. And listen, I love our nation as much as any of you in this room, and I would defend her with my life, but what I realize is this, that Washington, D.C. cannot change the heart of man. It can't. Look at our nation. It has, it has miserably failed in trying to somehow the, to dictate morality and all those things in our culture. It does not work. And so we, we stand together, we reject those things, and we pledge allegiance to the God of the Bible. And that is powerful. That is powerful. So for a moment, could you stand with me, please? And we're going to recite this together as we have been doing each week together. And then I will have you seated. And there will be very few calisthenics after that for you, okay? So just, just, just hang on, okay? So it's on the screens. It is on the, the banner in the middle or on your bulletin if you would like to follow along. But let's read together. Let's read. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell the third day. He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. That always gets me when you do that. And when my voice kind of softens and I hear your voice uh, from in front of me and as congregants, that it's always so powerful to think that what we just did, that our forefathers have done over a thousand years together, and that is so powerful. Last week, we simply took the portion that says Jesus Christ is only Son, our Lord. And what we understood is Jesus Christ is that of He is King over all earthly powers and over all heavenly powers. And that uh, His Son only. The second part of that is that God Jesus co-eternally exists with the Father. He always has been and always will be. And, And that is a powerful statement. And then the last was our Lord, and that is He is the Savior of all mankind. But today, we simply talk from Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. If you have a Bible, turn there who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And there's a couple of ways we could go with this for sure. We could simply go this full-blown sermon teaching about the Holy Spirit, but we have to wait till actually way down at the very end before we talk about the Holy Spirit. So we'll get there. So that's not what we're going to do. We could talk about Mary, but when you read this text in Luke chapter 1, starting at 26, that she's really not the point of this text. That's not what this is about. So what we're going to do today is is we're going to talk, as this brings us back to that of the beauty of the Godhead, that the Father, the God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And what C.S. Lewis, I love this, he calls this the dance. He calls this the dance of the Trinity, is what he calls this, that that God in three distinct persons, but yet one God, bringing about the glory of God for our good and for our joy. And so today, as we read this, we marvel at the Godhead and that of the dance of the Trinity. It says this in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, and look who sent him, God, it says, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Will be impossible with God. That's a powerful statement. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The reason we started in Genesis chapter 3 is talking about that of the Genesis chapter 3 world because Luke chapter 1, you know what it is? It's an invasion. It's an invasion into this broken world, is exactly what it is. Nothing nothing less than that. It is an invasion. Why? Because you and I all sense that something is broken. We know that. We get up every morning and realize there's something missing, something wrong, regardless of our philosophy, regardless of our faith system, or regardless of our belief system, that there is, we, we live every day longing for this, a sense for something to be fixed in this world, and and we understand that, that something is actually broken in the world that we live in. now if we could get all of you together put you on some buses and we could take a field trip wouldn't that be great that you come this morning you didn't know you're going to go to field trip i don't have a permission slip you know or whatever but we take you on a permission slip or take you on a bus we take you on a field trip and we take you to greenville you say I really wanted to go on to a real one, like, let's go to the beach together. No, we're going to take you to Greenville, and we're going to take you to Barnes & Noble is what we're going to do, okay? We're going to hang out in Barnes & Noble. We're going to order a skinny vanilla soy latte with an extra shot, about $7 that cost you, okay? And, and that's, that's, what we, that's my drink. We're going to order you that. And then I'm going to set you out on this search in Barnes & Noble. And I'm going to say to you, find me the largest genre of books in here. The largest genre, the group of books that address an issue. Find me that largest genre of books. And then you're probably going to come back and say, I know exactly what that is. And it is the self-help books because they're everywhere right you see them all over you have a big section and what it screams to you is there's something wrong with you and we can fix that for twenty nine ninety five. that we can fix this if you go through the 13 chapters and then you take the uh you take the the test at the end or whatever or the assessment at the end that we can fix this and so I thought about some of those self-help books I did and so here's a few. I won't mention the books by name or the sections, but or, or I just mentioned by sections. One is the financial peace section. And so here's the thing. Stop using your credit cards and start using cash and put it all in envelopes, okay? And that is going to fix everything in your life. I'm not saying that it's wrong within itself. That's not what this is about. But this is going to fix everything. And then you have the physical section, and it's all about smoothies and kale and superfoods and core strength. And if you just simply will eat better and exercise more, everything in your life is going to be great. It really is. Yes. Yes. And then you have this nebulous over spiritual section. It's where you, and I say this because I, and I'll get in trouble for saying it, but that's okay. It's where you find books like written by Oprah Winfrey and others. Okay. And, and understand that you have to love me. Okay. But that's where you're going to find them. Right. And it's all that over spiritual stuff, stuff that sounds really great, but you're not real sure what it all means. You know, it's like, well, you have to become the whole person as if I'm like half a person standing in front of you and I have to discover the inner person within me and I think that was actually an alien movie at one time about something inside of me that is waiting to be discovered so somehow it's it's hard to understand and then you have the relationship section that men are from Mars and you've been married to this guy for 20 years and he still doesn't put the seat to the toilet down you know so what you have to do is you have to get a book to help understand why he does that and 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 we see, when Women are from Venus and we need navigation in our relationships. And then, not to leave it out, you have the religious section. You really do. You have the book, six ways, six ways to resolve all doubt within your life. Really? Really? Six ways to resolve all doubt in your life. Because if you really have an experience with Jesus, you will never doubt him. You'll always be wealthy and you'll never get the common cold. Absolutely not. Because it's in the book. Yes, that's right. If you really want to back up the dump truck of guilt and doubt in someone's life, then preach a sermon on how Christians should never doubt. And it will literally destroy people. Why? Because life doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. It doesn't you say, Mark, I never doubt. I, I, I never doubt. Really? Then that's interesting. We are so glad to have an angel in our midst today. We really are. Because that's true. Yes, yes. So, Mark, if you're so smart and you have all the answers, then, really how, then, then what's, what's wrong with us? And how do we fix this? Then if you, you need to say that I can't go buy all those books and all that. Because the things that I just mentioned, are they're symptomatic. They're, they're signs of a greater disorder in our lives. So, tell us the greater disorder then, Mr. Know-it-all. What is all of that? Well, here it is. You ready? The greater disorder of sin. It's like, oh, Mark, you know, you always have to go to the sin thing. You know, you always have to play the sin card. We're tired here hearing the sin card. and you always, but, but it's the greater disorder of sin. I think there's a couple things that you and I know really need to understand about sin in our life. The first is this, that sin can be an outright rejection of how God design the universe to work. That I don't care how God put things together and how God designed them and how how God orders all things. No, I am the king. I'm going to do the things the way I want. I want what I want and I'm going to get it. And we reject many times this Biblical narrative and, uh, that we find, like in the Creed, and we embrace the false systems of our day. Things like materialism. The more I have, then the more happier I'm going to be in life. Individualism, that I can fix this if I'm just smart enough. And that of progressivism, that if man lives long enough, then man will somehow discover the solution to all the problems in the world today. And we buy into all of those isms. What I realize is this, and I wrote this down. You're being discipled by something. Everybody is a disciple in this world. Everybody is a disciple. So what is discipling and shaping you is how you will see the world and how you will see people around you and your marriage and your relationships and money and life in general. So what narrative are you buying into? That's the question. What are you buying into? What nerve do you buy into it? Well, forget the way that God designed everything because I'm my own person and I'm able to do this and I'm smarter to do this and, and so that's what I'm going to do. But here's where it gets confusing, because here's the second thing about sin, that sin can be using religion to not need God. That's, that's odd, isn't it? That sin can be using religion to not need God, that I don't need him. Because why? Because I have a church, and I have the worship service, and I have the connection group that I go to, and I've learned to play the games, and I know when to raise my hands, and I know when to be seated, and I know when to stand, because Mark, you tell us that all the time, you know? And, and I know when to shake the person's hand next to me, and I know all of those kinds of things to do, and, and I i know all of those religious things do i even can speak christianese and i can say things that nobody else in the world understands because we have secret words that we speak in church and no one else understands them but i think that also we suffer from fine uh this um this thing of always coming to church i always laugh about this and and i'm sorry but i've been in church long enough but but i laugh about finitis you know what finitis is we suffer from that Do you know what it is it's when people ask you questions in the lobby when you come in this morning. So how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. I'm really fine. I'm blessed and highly favored by God when all along you're just dying on the inside, you know, right? So can we be honest? You ready? Here it is. Oh, don't you hate these times, don't you? I'm gonna go to church. We stop asking questions. Somebody don't ask me any questions. All right, here's the thought, all right? How many of you have ever been asked, how are you doing? And you say fine when really inside you're not fine. Let me see your hand, Okay. Wow, look at this, a room full of liars. Isn't this amazing? Put your hand down. Thank you. <laughs> that, I, I put both of my hands up because we do that. Oh, I'm speaking in faith. I'm calling those things are not as though they were. That's what I'm doing. No, you're not. No, no. We're just, it's the things that we're programmed to say. And sometimes I think we say those things, especially as Christians. And we use religion in our life to not need God. We, we, we're programmed to do that almost in church. But here is the thought. Here's the thought. It's Isaiah 1 and verse 11. Here's what God says about all that stuff. I love this. Uh, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? You, if you want to know what God thinks about sometimes the things that we do, here's what he says. Says the Lord, I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. And you think, wait a minute, this was God's system all along. God's, you, know, you said we bring these things to sacrifice in the temple for, the, for that of our sins, and now you don't, you don't want these anymore? Have you changed your mind? If you read through Isaiah, boy, there's some really strong things. In there, God says, I don't want to hear your singing anymore, and I get tired of when you gather together and you do those kinds of things. Why? It's not because you sing off key. That's not at all. It's not. <laughs> No. God loves your singing. Even when you're singing like running on the treadmill and your husband like videos that and puts that on Facebook. Yeah, exactly right. Yes. Never mentioned Summer Vaughn's name. Absolutely. I've never said that in church. But, but it's true. Isn't it true? Yeah. <laughs> but here's what God says. If you go to the book of Jeremiah, here's, here's, what, here's the heart of God. For this is the covenant I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. That I will put my law within them, he says. That it's not just this outward expression of religion. But I put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts, he says. That it's not about external religion, but what the beauty of this is, that God's after our heart. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune Godhead is after our heart. as what he's after. I love that. Not just that of actions, but he's truly after our heart. It's what he wants. That in his delight and love for us, he desires for you and I to love and delight in him. That is a powerful thought. It really is. That moral transformation within our lives. It, that's what God desires. And we go through our spiritual life sometimes like a two-year-old, and we're spilling things, and we're trying to wipe it up. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, you know your two-year-old spills something, and you give them uh, a cloth or whatever to wipe it up and what do they do they just smear it don't they then they press it in the cracks wherever it might be and they smear it and that's what we go through life trying to do trying to clear it up by ourselves and we push it in the cracks deeper and deeper within our lives and God says stop stop that my heart is that I delight and love you and thus I desire for you to delight and love me that's a relationship That's relationship. So that greater disorder is sin. So it leads us to this second thought is this, that he is a God who takes the initiative that we find in the book of Luke, that he takes the initiative. Look at verse 26. I love this story. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, who sends him? God. He he takes the initiative to a city of, of Galilee named Nazareth. You have Gabriel being sent by God the Father, to have this conversation with Mary. Mary has a legitimate question now. It's a huge question, and then God gives the answer, and it's what C.S. Lewis calls the dance of the of the Trinity in the carnation. Look at verse 35. Here's the answer. Here it is. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So here's what you have. Let me lay it out for you, because this is Causes your brain to spin. It causes mind to spin. You have God the Father sending God the Son, and God the Son being conceived in Mary by God the Holy Spirit. What? You know, really? Yeah, that, this like wow that that is that is mind blowing. It really is that the God of the Bible revealing an attribute about the Godhead, and it's this that God is in God initiates. He's a God of initiation. That he doesn't, he doesn't wait for you and I to come to him. He doesn't wait for that moment when we're simply changed and, and, and we've given up all of our bad habits in our life. No, but he is a God of initiation. Wrap your mind around what we just read. The God, God the Father, sending God the Son, God the Son being conceived in Mary by God the Holy Spirit. He initiates that. He does. He does. It is the beauty of the Trinity, It's the beauty of the Trinity. whether you have figured it out or not, can I just say it, that we are Trinitarians around here, okay? I don't know if you figure that out or not, okay? I just want to throw that out to you, okay? And some of you, if you're here this year, if you're that of a, one of our apostolic brothers or sisters, you may be struggling with his teaching this morning. If you're what we call in theology a modalist, that you struggle with his teaching about the Trinity, that I, I, I really encourage you to open your heart and mind to this concept and, and this truth, because what it is is that if you don't see it as a Trinity, you rob that of the community of the Godhead and this is powerful that god initiates god initiates that in our rebellion against him in genesis chapter 3 in our rebellion today is whether it's uh, whether it's religious or whatever our rebellion might be in god, with god that god responds to that his response to that is not that he leans away from us but that god responds by leaning into you he leans into you he initiates that i love that about god i love this about this story that we're reading what we would consider that of the christmas or advent story that of god's initiating into our lives. It's the triune God is dancing, the Trinity is dancing for the salvation of humankind. And he writes his laws on our hearts. The third thought I had is this, that he is a God not only that initiates, but he is God who knows Nothing of impossibilities. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? That is a good question, is it not? Yes. That's like, whoa, that's a huge question. Yes because here's my thought now I, I I pondered this, barring you know a word from the scripture, and and here's here my thought about this: that we've seen God open wombs of that of barren, infertile women throughout the Bible. I could give you a list, you know we could start with Sarah, that are belonging to Abraham, we could talk about Hannah, and we could talk about well even even mary's relative elizabeth who we find in here it calls her barren so we've seen god open the womb of those barren women yet it's miraculous but it's not impossible for that to happen can i tell you why because all of these women have husbands do i need to explain how all that works no okay so we move on right so they all have husbands so what do you mean the possibility was there The possibility was there in Sarah and Hannah and Elizabeth's life. It was there. But then you get to Luke chapter 1, and it is a different story. It's totally different. It's like here is Mary, and, and she has this baby bump, and she's walking around, and she's carrying the Son of God That's a wild thought, isn't it? Yeah, in her stomach, and somebody comes up, oh, I see, how far along are you? You know, you ask people that, how far along are you? The worst thing can ever be said to that question is, I'm not pregnant. Then you're really in trouble, okay? So don't, you just gotta be real careful. Oh, so how far along are you? Oh, I'm eight months. That is awesome. Boy or girl? Oh, it's a boy. Wonderful. Who's the dad? Pause. (laughs) Awkward moments, right? Who's the dead? Oh, the Holy Spirit, because I've never been with a man. And then the person asking the question says, kids, get in the car. We got to get out of here because this woman is crazy, you know? No, this is not the answer that you want to hear. Just for the record, this is scientifically absurd and absolutely impossible. No one gets pregnant accidentally. That is a great Great message for all in here this morning that no one gets pregnant accidentally without any other human being involved except here. That God knows nothing of impossibilities. You got to wrap your mind around that. Verse 37 For nothing will be impossible with God. The laws that in the universe and the creative order that are designed for you and I, that apply to you and I, can I tell you those laws in the universe do not apply to God? Understand that they do not apply to God at all. No, he is the king over all earthly powers and all heavenly powers. We learned that last week from our teaching about God. How vast is our God? In fact, what Job says in the book of Job is this, that the heavens are simply the fringe of his garments. The heavens are the fringe of his garments. Think about that. In the immensity of our universe today, it goes on forever. It's just the fringe of his garment. In fact, if you look into the universe with the most powerful telescope that we have today, then and what you realize is this, that you're not even seeing his shirt. You're seeing the fringe of his garment. You're not even seeing God's backyard. Understand that, because that is how vast and powerful our God is, that he simply knows nothing of impossibilities, nothing of impossibilities. And you can see this in this phrase that was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. It is a God who initiates toward that of his rebellious children. He leans into us and not away from us, and he pushes out, impossibilities. And every time I looked over this late last night and I read through this, man, something just kind of leaped inside of me, and it's not that self I'm looking for, you know, at the book section of, of, of Barnes & Noble, but something leaped inside of me. My spirit began to leap inside of me to say that God initiates toward me even when I push away from Him and I lean away from Him, that God pushes into me because He loves me and He knows nothing of impossibilities. Nothing. 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 And the way this applies to our life in the areas that we've talked about in the past, and I won't be able to cover all of them, I realize that, but in symmetry, in symmetry in our lives, that balance of our lives of understanding the character and the nature of God, is that some of you struggle with this definition of God, that He initiates and He knows nothing of possibilities. Because in your life you've experienced horrific loss, and I've been there with some of you as your pastor in those times. And for some of you that you've experienced great darkness, you've been abused by those that swore to protect you. You've been abandoned by those that promised that they would never leave you. And the scars and the pain of those things and those circumstances of your life have become the lens in which you see God through. That's the way you see it. And so when I talk about him initiating and pushing back all impossibilities, it's so difficult for you to see God in that truth. And so I prayed last night because this is not something that I can preach into you. This is not something I can illustrate or manipulate into you. But this is only something that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, can simply move in your heart and your life And reveal truth to you. That he initiates. That he pushes back the impossible. And so I prayed last night that for some of you. That I know that God in his providence has brought you here. That maybe for the first time in your life. That you see God in the truth of this. That you have a symmetry in your life spiritually that that he is a God who initiates. Yes, he leans into us. Even when we try to repel him. And he is a God who pushes back the impossible. So maybe you're in a situation where you're losing heart. I mean, I prayed and God just not responded. I, I just don't see God working in my life. I've asked God to change this and it's not changed. But good symmetry is to not just know, but to believe. To believe that our God is a God who initiates in our lives and He's a God who knows nothing of impossibilities. And even though God may not speak to the storm at this moment and the storm ceases like we find in the New Testament. And even though God may not take away whatever this is in your life at this moment, that because He is a God who initiates and He is a God who pushes back the impossibilities of our lives, that He encourages your heart with the truth this morning. That that's who He is. That's who He is. Can I be honest with you for a moment? Say, sure, go ahead. I think God sometimes is slow. I know, now you're waiting for the lightning, right? Aren't you? Yeah. There's Mark. He's like a pile of ashes. Last time he'll ever say God's... No, I think God is slow, and God is big enough to have me as his child be honest. I think he's slow at times. I mean, I know I know. within my head I've had enough training and I've studied enough to know that He's always right on time. I understand that. Oh, has anybody ever said to you when you're waiting on something from God, listen, God is never early. God is late. He's always right on time. And your thought is, yeah, and it's time for me to choke you right now too if you ever say that to me again. Because you're not where I am at. Because there was a, a span in our life, mine and Reba's life. There was a span of seven years where I truly thought God had forgotten where I was. It was a, a time of, of, of darkness and desolation for us. That I thought that is this the way life is for me? Is this it? And seven years. And I thought about this a lot this week. That I prayed, God, deliver me. How many times I prayed, God, you got to deliver me. God, you got to get, because, Lord, it's been, uh, you know, it's been three years, you got to deliver me. And then four years, you got to deliver me. And then five, and finally, you know, and then six and seven, God, you got to deliver me. and, And what I understand. But there were things in my life that I had to, to see about myself that only could be revealed in that situation. And what I realized in all of that, now that I look back, is that God lavishly loved me in the midst of all of that. That He generously and graciously Kept me there. You see, that's weird. I know it is. But yet I realized that I held on to this understanding that God always initiates and He always pushes back the impossible. And even though things may not immediately change around me, That my heart is encouraged in that truth. And sometimes that's all I need. That's all I need is the truth. In counsel, the last one, symmetry, and we skip the others, the counsel. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 42 and 5. David has an argument with himself. I don't know if you ever argued with yourself or not, you know? And, and, and then who wins and loses is kind of a funny thing, right? And, and he says to himself in Psalm 42 and 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation. And what I realize is this, I have to learn to win the argument with myself in these situations. Because if these things that we talked about this morning are absolutely true, and they are true, that God is initiating God, and God is a God who pushes back the impossible in my life, then I have to learn to win that argument against myself. Because within me, as within all of you, inside of us, there is this weak and wimpy and pessimistic and complaining and doubting and fleshly reside. That wants to always point out, what is not truth or what are half-truths or what are full lies that cause me to be confused at times. And so how do I win that argument with myself? That I go back to the truth. I go back to this amazing truth that it is God who initiates, that God who always leans into me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit leans into me. And he knows nothing of the impossible. And with that, it's enough. It's enough. So would you bow your heads for a moment? Father... as you have sent your Holy Spirit to Mary, that you send the Holy Spirit today in our lives to reveal truth. That, Father, that the Holy Spirit today, I pray, would help us to remove the glasses to remove the lens of our circumstances our preconceived ideas our incorrect understandings of god's nature and character and we would see god in the light of truth that father you are A God who initiates in our lives. And you are a God who knows nothing of the impossible. So speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak to our hearts. So, I have to ask you a question before we pray. And then they're going to sing for us and just give you a moment to respond. That it's not by chance that you're here, not by chance we talked about that this morning, but God has brought you here and through his providence. And you would say in a moment by just raising your hand, saying, Mark, I'm, I'm facing something that I can't work out on my own. I have tried. A fear, a doubt, an unforgiveness, an unforgiveness, a relationship issue, whatever it is, and it goes on and on and on and the list is inexhaustible. But I'm facing something that I cannot work out on my own. So today, I need my heart to be encouraged with the truth that my God is a God who initiates. And my God is a God who knows nothing of impossibility. So, just between you and your God, if you're struggling in some of those areas this morning, would you mind doing this? Just raising your hand right now and say, yes, Lord, that's that's me. That's me. Thank you, Father. So, if you would, all over the room, stand, if you don't mind. And as they sing, maybe your step today is a step toward the front. You say, Mark, what does that mean? That's yeah, it's it's maybe it's a symbolic step on your part to say, Today I accept the truth about who my God is. And you just step out and you come and you pray. maybe you say i've never done that before and i'm not really comfortable doing that then then that's fine if you stay at your seat but i i i've just prayed for the holy spirit would remove the lens that you see god in and you would see him in the light of truth this morning so while they say if you want to take that step then you take that step and you come and pray And you just trust God for encouragement in your life today. In Jesus' name.